Welcome to the Real Triathlon Podcast. I'm your host, Garrick Lowen, here with Nicholas Chase and Jackson Lund. Welcome back to the Real Triathlon Podcast. Man, we had a weekend. Uh, if you guys didn't know, Jackson Laundry, the man, the myth, the legend, had an awesome race at Oceanside. And I think we should just start off by addressing, yeah, the big things that happened this weekend. So, guys, what did you think about that sprint finish between Lionel Sanders and Rudy Von Berry? <laughs> That's Jackson. Like, um, I actually had the opportunity to going on another podcast the other day and that was like one of the things we talked about how like your amazing finish and this has happened to a couple others like has been a little bit overshadowed by the lionel rudy sprint um and i think you're still getting plenty of love but does that does that matter to you at all is it like come on guys they were second and third i won give me a break <laughs> uh no i mean it was it was fun to have the 32 seconds of everybody paying attention to me and then switching it back over to them but uh no it was it kind of just I thought of it that way for about two minutes and then I realized that it kind of just added to like the epicness of the race as a whole yeah um and it just yeah it was probably one of the most exciting just from a spectator standpoint probably one of the most exciting last you know 20 minutes of a race that we've ever seen um which is really cool so yeah. And I, I had a front row seat to that. That was awesome. Like it was crazy. <laughs> you literally couldn't tell who, who won, um, between well, who came second, I guess. So that was pretty sick. Yeah. There was some speculation. I mean, this doesn't happen too often. We don't see a sprint finish or even four or five guys oftentimes within like 34 second splits, you know, from each other. Look, normally there's some bigger gaps. It's not, you know, the women's field, sometimes you'll see like two minute victory, um, checkpoints and then waiting around for a second and third. So having all you boys running at the same time was pretty epic, but would you have been like, come on, Iron Man, you don't have, where's, where is the finish line exactly? Where is it? And how do we measure a sprint finish? That's like neck and neck anymore. Yeah. I need to get photo finish. I don't think it's that expensive to set up. I mean, I don't know. It maybe is, but it's, uh, it's definitely not that precise. Um, but it did look like probably that Lionel did have him, but there was no actual evidence of the finish line. Perfect footage. So I don't yeah. know. I don't know. But now that it's this competitive, that. it's going to happen more and more. So it'll yeah. be interesting to see. They if, had um, an official, they had an official with an iPhone behind the arch filming it. Apparently yeah, I saw that. From what I actually cool. saw the, the, the photo from that. They put it up for a bit and then I think they took it down because they realized it was terrible. <laughs> it was yeah. pretty funny though. Like, you could see like Lionel definitely crossed the barrier of or the threshold after the, whatever the shoot, the big, I guess, what is that thing you run? Through? Arch. Arch. Yeah. Yeah. So he crossed through the arch, but was the angle off? I don't know. I just, I would have argued that they should just give them both shared second place at that point. Yeah. Where's, where's now you're just doing the same fucking thing everyone else is doing. You're like, Oh, get it overshadowed. Now let's talk about it for 10 minutes. It, well <laughs> the reason why it overshadowed a little bit was because it's a definite problem uh, you know wts probably has this thing solved because they've got sprint finishes all the time yeah photo finish i think um yeah so yeah 
reining reining this conversation back into the focus jackson um let's go through your your specific race um as guest of honor um so would you please run us through um i want to go a little bit deeper than just the race i want to talk about a key a couple key sessions that maybe worked out well uh, maybe two weeks out maybe your travel anything that went up or down did you have to go through any obstacles I heard you were staying at a shit host shit hotel uh, from numerous people. How'd that Did go? You? And uh, oh god. Then then talk about the dynamics of the race and when it unfolded. And I did notice like there was a little gap that forged in the last bit of the bike course when those boys started to push. And I think that's where where they fucked up. So run us through all that. All right. Well, starting from I guess some of the training after Miami, I kind of knew that I was on the right trajectory for where I needed to get to for Oceanside and beyond. Uh, Miami was a decent result. And yeah, I just really, really noticed my fitness start to pick up and just in the last like two weeks before Miami. Um, so I figured, okay, let's stay on a similar training plan. I got back to training pretty quickly after Miami. So that was a Friday race. And by the Tuesday, I was training pretty hard again. I was like, I think I did a six hour day on the Tuesday after. Okay. Um, so I really felt good and jumped back into it. And then I just put in like, probably, I guess it would have been about 12, 11 or 12 days of like really solid work. Um, which doesn't even sound like much, but it was quite a good block. Uh, I hit, you know, nothing crazy in terms of workouts. I was doing like six K five and a half to six K swims Tuesdays and Thursdays. And, um, you know, good runs twice a week, I guess maybe kind of like the, the last key run session was like four minute reps with two minutes rest. Um, and I didn't really have any pace or time expectations. I was just supposed to go kind of above a little above threshold or around threshold. And I ended up running those at like sub three ten pace, um, for, I think six of them. Yeah. Six reps or five, five reps at sub three ten pace. So um that was without race shoes or anything so i knew i was pretty fit for the run um and then for the bike i actually really found a big benefit from zwift races doing one once a week um so i would do like a, a zwift race for about 50 minutes and get some variability but keep basically it's an over under threshold workout um and then i would do like a uh some tempo or steady after the zwift race and really just get the legs used to that fatigue and just kind of holding power. So that really got me ready on the bike. Um, but honestly, I think the main thing, like the travel was all fine. It was like normal, nice direct flight, but yeah, Oceanside is pretty expensive. So I traveled with Lauren and we were like, not sure where to stay. And we just picked this place that's really close. It was a motel six and it was like, not the nicest motel six i've ever seen uh but the room was fine and it wasn't dirty and gross was there a donut and, shop next door uh what's that was there happened to be a donut shop next door because i feel like i may have stayed in that like four years ago a donut shop i think so <laughs> like, there was also like two nights before the race we had like this crazy family stay next in the room next to us and i think the kids were literally like body checking the wall and they were just going nuts all night it was crazy uh we were trying to get them kicked out but we couldn't anyway so yeah i mean we just kind of slummed it we i we went and got a plug-in hot plate to make food and make our <laughs> chicken and rice and 
it was perfect. Um, it was just back to the old days. I used to do stuff like that all the time. Um, Dude, you still did this. I remember Des Moines last year. I think I brought this up on the podcast. You literally slept on an air mattress and then yeah, you I went was, because Nick ran like a 58 minute half off the bike. <laughs> Don't blame me. I'm just used to finding a cheap spot and just keeping it simple. So I'll probably always do that. Honestly, it's just normal. I think but. you should do the opposite of what all the top pros do is, is it, as they get more lux and more like, Oh, we'll comp your room. You should like rent camper vans, sleep in a tent. You should just keep getting slummier. <laughs> yeah. Well, sleep. I don't know about that, but I think I'll probably just keep it the same. Yeah. We'll see if I can sleep. What just sleep, sleep on the street one night. See if I still race. Well. <laughs> um, but anyway, so yeah, all that was fine. But my main focus before the race was like, get to that ocean get used to running through that surf and just having a good start because that's going to be like just no just looking at the start list you just knew it was going to be the front pack was going to have a bunch of strong riders and swimmers so you got to swim well get in the front pack or else you're screwed that's 100 what my game plan was so um we just practiced it quite a bit and that worked out super freaking well because in the race you kind of got through that first 200 meters of like getting through the surf and running a lot and dolphin diving a lot. And then I was already like pretty much in the front group. So I just had to kind of hang on and I could kind of could tell I was feeling really good. Cause I just wasn't getting dropped. I could, it's one of those days where you could, I could push hard and not suffer too much doing it. Like I knew my body was ready to just have a really good day um, after the first five minutes of the swim. So so that was really good. So I was able to stay honestly pretty much in that group. There's kind of a lead group and then a few of us that were sort of dangling and I stayed kind of within range there. Um, and I mean, yeah. looking back at it, it was 25 seconds from the leader that it got out, which is probably my best ever swim considering who was in that field. Now, real quick question on the swim. Did you feel a lot of current? Did it feel sh- some people were saying it was like a typical fat, like a little faster swim than normal. How was the current playing a factor? Yeah. Um, it was probably pretty fast. Like, cause first you run straight out into the ocean and so you got to get through the surf. But then after that, once we made the first turn, it wasn't that choppy and it just, yeah, I mean, it's an ocean swim with salt water and wetsuits. So it doesn't really get much faster than that. And then once you come into the Harbor, there's like no waves at all and it's pretty fast. And it almost felt like maybe it was a bit of a tail current. Um, I mean, I swam under 23 minutes, which I've never done before. So probably pretty fast conditions for the swim. No, it was not, not to discredit any, anything he did. I was just curious if it was like, felt like, holy shit, we're getting pushed. Yeah, it definitely seemed to be fast. I mean, okay. I don't know if it, it wasn't like we were swimming down river, but well, it, did, it did feel pretty quick. When watching the live feed, it was almost like it was hard for Ben in alley to break away like you could tell that there was definite hard time in the open ocean that it was even when you watch the start like it was like a bunch of ants in the water you guys like had no direction there was people just everywhere and then all of a sudden within the matter of like five to ten seconds everyone got their bearings and you could see that definite v starting to form again because it was yeah. spread out probably like at least 25 meters wide of everyone just going different directions for a while yeah i think that was just the initial surf, like the waves are still pretty tall and you can't really see where anybody is yeah. other than the people like right near you. So once we got through that and it kind of flattened out, then I think people were like, Oh, okay. There's the boys. There's the people. Let's get this straightened out. 
Okay, cool. All right, I won't bug you about this one anymore. That's all right. It's not bugging me. It's just a question. So okay. you get out of the water. You're feeling good. There, it seems like a lot of guys that got out of the water together, like half of them, they got dropped. They seem to be speculating that like something happened on the bike and they were super upset. Did anything happen in that first 20K that we didn't see? Uh, well, I mean, I was kind of at the back, so I just sort of like after the transition, I ended up pretty much right at the back of the like 10 or 12 guys or whatever it was, because I had a good transition. Some of them had a solar one. And then I just like, I, I felt like I wasn't really in the group settled in at all for the first, like probably 30 K because it was so technical, rough roads, so many turns and just guys were leaving gaps all the time. Um, and I had to keep like going around and closing gaps. So I really didn't see much going on until probably close to 30 K when we kind of got more established with a smaller group. And I did notice Alistair at one point kind of looking back, like asking for help at the front. Cause I guess he'd probably been on the front for quite a while. Um, but I didn't see anything in particular. I mean, there was a lot of rough road, David McNamee's seat, like he thought it broke off, but it just like the, the nose just like went down. So he was, he like t t suddenly stopped and almost crashed me out. Um, he was like swerving when i went by him but yeah i don't know i think just people were getting dropped and it was kind of a tough it was a tough first like 25 30k because of all the technical like there was no there's not much of a of a pull from being in the group because it was just so inconsistent okay and so how'd the rest of that bike because you guys you guys split off and there's about five of you guys and it looked like uh canute and Brownlee were kind of pushing the pace there. How did that dynamic play out for the rest of the bike? Yeah, so probably around, I think it was 30K, Rudy did a pretty hard pull. It was maybe just before 30K for a while. And it was like a, it was a, a section of road that was winding, but all arrow. But so then the group wasn't in a line. So there was, wasn't much, again, not much of a draft benefit in the group. Um, and that's where we finally dropped Jason West, um, which I was happy to see because obviously he can run. <laughs> and Andre Lopez got kicked out of that group then too. Yeah, it was the same time. Okay. Um, so then after Rudy took that poll, it was pretty much just Brownlee, Ben, and it was just Brownlee and Ben and uh, Sam for the rest. Probably half Brownlee and about, a you know, the other two shared about half um rudy actually went to the back at about 45k ish and he never he never went above fifth after that he was just at the back um it got once it got hilly it was quite challenging because brownlee was just absolutely punishing those hills like it was it was nuts we were you know way over 400 on every hill um so that was really tough and i think talking to Rudy after the race, he said it was just tough because the way that the accordion would happen, he would get stretched out. Like he couldn't hang on over the top of the hill and then he would have to chase on the downhills. So I went by, that's why I went by him and kind of got my way into fourth. And then I was surprised, but everybody else grabbed water at aid stations and actually took a second to do that. Um, so I, that's how I kind of leapfrogged my way up into, I was at second in the group at a point and third and just kind of hung in the middle there. Um, but once we got through the last hills, 
it really eased off. Like it was, it was, it was a lot finally of downhill then too, right? Yeah, we had a nice downhill, and then the last like 15k is just flat, and it was kind of a headwind, and it was just really a lot more relaxed. Um, probably mostly just because of we're finally just kind of organizing a group and not you know surging so much. Um, so at that point, it felt like we were going pretty slow, but we just were efficient, kind of rolling. Now, mostly Alistair at the front, but a little bit of the other two as well. Um, watching that first probably 15K on the bike, it looked just heinous. Like it's, it's super technical. You got to go behind the grocery store, then you get on the Camp Pendleton. Even like I saw, there was definitely a dude who got a, a clear penalty. Like he just couldn't pass Ben and he was just stuck out to the left side. The whole must have been like David McNamee or something like that. Or it was Steve McKenna. Steve yeah. McKenna. And he had to have pulled the penalty from that. Like it was, it sucked. It looked like in that first bit, it must've been full on. It was really tough. Yeah. It was so much surging to close gaps. Um, yeah. I'm not at all surprised like that. It whittled down to who it was because just the dynamics of the course. And it was really rough roads. Like there's quite a lot of rough sections. People were losing bottles and just, I, you're not allowed to preview that course because it's on a military base. So I had no idea. Like I had looked at the maps, but it doesn't really do justice to actually compared to seeing the course. Those climbs are tough, man. Yeah. The climbs were really tough, but it was mostly the technical nature, like all the turns and stuff. I didn't want to, like, even if I was right at the front and felt like I want to take a pull, I wouldn't have taken one because I didn't know the next turns and I would have always had my head up looking and it wouldn't have been, ideal so but yeah there was one climb in particular that was quite long and alistair just punished it and my, i had my two minute peak power was 416 which is quite high like that's probably 125 percent ftp it was 100 and whatever 15 watts above my average that's a massive um, bike so it was just really tough um i think he was trying to break to break us but i knew at that point with the five we had that i i didn't think anybody was going to get dropped um so sounds like and this is kind of how i actually envisioned the day going um anyways at, once i saw you with that in the group and with contention i was like well canute alistair they're they're gonna ride so hard right now because they know the legs that are behind they know that they know you i mean ben does for sure um, and seeing Allie on the front so much, I was like, I know he loves to ride like that, but I wonder if it's too much. And, you know, maybe had you put your nose in the wind a lot more and been more comfortable with the course, you may have been out there doing too much work. Like I'm not, I know the bike course was, you rode your best power. You had the bike, fastest bike split. So obviously you had to work up and get close to those guys and then maintain that. But yeah. at the very end, it looked like they tried to break off and you had just kind of sat back a little bit and just let them go. Did that was, did that happen? Cause the tracker was just tough to see. Yeah. In the last, so the last, you know, five or eight K or something, you're back onto the same path that you did at the start. So it becomes rough road again, technical road again. Um, there was a little bit of a gap at that point. I was in fourth in the group, I believe. And Ben was third. There did, a small gap open in front of him at one point, maybe 30, 40 meters. And 
I kind of just knew that he was going to close it and it ended up closing and um, it was just due to the technical nature, I think, and just okay. having a surge and catch back up. And then once we got into the like super narrow, really weird, slow shoot that you have to ride beside transition and dismount at that point, it, we just all came back together and you're riding like 20 K an hour because you're basically riding on like a small footpath that goes around a bunch of trees and stuff. Yeah. And um, trying to get your shoes, your feet out of your shoes. Yeah. I already had at that point. So that was just, you know, we all got off pretty close and just, um, yeah, the last bit, it did, it did get harder though. Again, at the very end, like the last five K because of all the technical, like you just have to pound it out of all those turns. Right. Yeah. Okay. So how about did at any point on the bike, were you like worried about your legs or did it something feel like, holy shit, I better, you know, conserve a little, or was everything just kind of like flowing? Uh, yeah, it was pretty, I mean, I was, I wasn't really sure if I would have good legs on the run or not because of how hard the bike was, but it didn't matter. I knew there's no choice. You have to ride with this group regardless. Yeah. Like even if you ride with this group and run 115, that's better than getting dropped. Yeah. So, um, I just, and I also knew that it would hurt those guys as well. Like through the hills, I thought it's got to get easier. I know there's a descent. I know there's a flat section. There will be time to recover. Um, so just survive these hills. And then once I survived the hills, I it, it came true. Like it was a lot easier for quite a while. The last 30 minutes or so, my power was only like 260 or 270. Um, so I had a chance to recover and once I'd had that chance to recover and I felt my legs come back, like I, I couldn't feel any sting in them left really. Um, I was, I had a pretty good feeling I would be able to run well. Okay. Okay. So that's all well and good. There was definitely still like a wolf pack behind you. And that was still kind of an unknown at that point, whether guys like Jason West or even Lionel, Michael Weiss, any of those guys were going to try to run their way up, but we, and I think anyone watching knew the caliber of runners of the five, the five of you. And I figured you would be pushing each other within, if, if, if you were going to stay together for 5k, it was going to push until probably the end, like until someone blew up. And that's really what ended up going down. Like, how did you feel going off the heels and then knowing, or when did you know that you were bringing them back? Yeah. Um, I think like starting the run, it was pretty like clear that, you know, Ben, Ben and Rudy got out quick cause they didn't wear socks. Um, and then the other three of us did wear socks. So it was kind of like those two. And then the three of us were together just right at the very beginning. And I had a feeling that Ben was kind of bluffing a little bit. He tends to go out pretty hard always on the run. Um, I wasn't sure, but after like, 1k or so i noticed we'd gotten closer um or i'd gotten closer alistair had already gone by me and was kind of charging so i wasn't sure if he was just going to take off and be gone or if he was just trying to close that gap really quick but i did let him kind of go because he was just he really went out hard um but yeah i noticed ben and rudy starting to come back to me as well even though rudy was kind of pulling or sorry uh, alistair was pulling away um so once like all of us came together, Ben dropped off pretty quick. And then I had a feeling it would be a pretty close race when we were running together. And like, I was, I was fairly comfortable really for the first several K like 
I knew we were running fast. I could feel we were running fast and that I was pushing it and that it was probably a bit faster than what the average would end up being. Um, but it's just kind of the nature of running in a group. You, you push each other on and you just kind of try to drop each other. Right. So, yeah, you stop running um, your own race at that point and you just get really tactical. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think it was kind of me and Alistair sharing the lead and going side by side for the most part on that first I guess six or seven K. Um, and then at about seven and a half K or four miles, four and a half miles ish, we kind of came over a ridge and just a slight downhill. And I could, I think Alistair noticed that he, you know, was just leading for a little bit longer there. And that probably I was hoping the pace would ease off just a bit. Uh, and he put in a bit of, he put in a pretty significant surge, like not like really taking off, but he definitely upped the pace and, I, I just wasn't prepared to go with him at that point. It was, it was too early for me to be making a move at seven K. So I just thought I better just kind of hold this and, and see what happens here, because I know that, you know, if he's got amazing legs and he's going to go run a one Oh eight, then that's going to be that. But um, I wasn't sure that he was really feeling that great. It, I, I thought that, you know, he was trying to make a tactical move. So kind of let him go and, Rudy tried to go with him and decided against it as well. Um, and then Rudy and I kind of just ran like we weren't actually together. He was maybe a second or two ahead of me for a while, probably another five, three or four K at least. Well, you could even see anytime you they'd show Allie out front, especially on the strand coming on your second loop on the strand where, where the water's to your right. They yeah. would show Allie and then you and Rudy like, I thought you guys were further back and then all of a sudden the camera shifted a little bit to the right, because for some reason, the cameraman could never really get anybody else in the picture, except for Allie. It was just really frustrating by the way. Um, Cause we're like, how far behind are they? We're like, where are the frig are Jackson and um, Rudy? And so we could just see it was like 25 meters, just holding steady. Yeah. Yeah. And like in the time split said 25 seconds the whole time, but you kind of see it wasn't. And then once we noticed that you went by Rudy, it seemed like you gained so much momentum and you just got right up on Brownlee and just went by him. That, that aid station, when it happened for Rudy, um, Garrick and I were watching it together and I was like, this is, this is where it's happening. It's happening right now. And all of a sudden, like you could see Rudy just kind of let you go to that aid station. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I kind of re-caught Rudy at like probably 12 K or so. And then we ran together, but I was, more pushing it like i could feel that i was starting to feel pretty good um and then we go up one of the steep hills and i passed him again there because he had taken a turn and then i he struggled on the uphill again so i thought okay i think i've got the edge here and then we kind of just kept working together a little bit but then at about the 10 the 10 mile mark is where that aid station pretty much was and i really felt like okay 10 miles like it came up a little quicker than i thought and i really knew i just could feel that i had another gear yeah um so i picked it up there and just thought okay if i can just hold this pace i think rudy will drop off and i might be able to catch alistair i don't know but focus on dropping rudy first and then once i kind of made that move stick like alistair really like you said was coming back um and it just yeah i just rode that momentum i'm like all right get him at the you know get to the turnaround which was like probably 4k to go see what the gap is and it was probably only five seconds and and at that point i thought okay 
I've got him. Let's just keep it up. And uh, I, couldn't, I, I couldn't tell if he was playing possum at that point and if he was going to like let you come up on side him and then really dig at you um, if he was going to try to play that game. But then after I saw like he was he was just legitimately hurting. Yeah, I had a feeling he was just toast because he just I think he went a little too early on the run. Um, that move is a bit early and you know, 7k, you've still got 14k. Like it's just a long haul. And I, I've always found like, if I'm trying to do anything crazy in the first 10k, that's not in the first half. It's just not a good time. <laughs> um, so what is it? Most position changes happen in the final 5k anyways. Probably. I mean, it's people, that's where you're, you don't have any cards left at that point, typically. Um, so yeah, I mean, when I when I did the last turnaround, I was just behind Alistair, actually. Lionel kind of, like, waited for Alistair to go by and then just, like, snuck over to me, and he's like, come on, you got to get him. And he, like, yeah. and everyone was cheering. Like, the funny thing is, most of the fans were cheering for Alistair, but most of the athletes were cheering for me. <laughs> so I don't know what that says, but. Well, that's... Alistair is, I'm sure, a, a gentleman, uh, but he's just never been very, like, talkative or to his competition or I, don't, I haven't heard many people say he's super friendly. So I, I don't know, maybe that's the trend. Yeah. I just, he doesn't open up to people. He doesn't know very well. So yeah, nobody feels like he's been really, you know, friendly with them, I guess probably, but he's never done anything rude or, or, you know, unsportsmanlike or anything like that to me. Um, oh yeah. Honest, honest to goodness, true competitor. Just, you know, just like you. Yeah. And you know, it was, uh, it was pretty crazy, honestly, when I kind of went by him and, and realized like, okay, got through the last, there's a steep uphill downhill and then you're on the strand and that's it. And, uh, that's it. It was like, yeah, it was pretty nuts. Like it was the longest stretch of road I've ever seen anyone run on at that point. Cause I was like, Jackson's, this is, this is his race. Like, this is it barring anything crazy happening. Like I cannot actually believe this is how I like, Amy and I were in bank of America talking to like <laughs> some professional trying to help or like get her added to the account. And like, all we're doing is we're not even paying attention to the, the person behind the computer. And like, all of a sudden we both just like start tearing up and we're like, I can't believe this is happening. Like, oh my it God. Was so awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. It was crazy, man. But yeah. But like, just, don't miss the finishing shoot for the love of God. Yeah. Don't So I heard that the coverage wasn't that great. So like they, Tell me about that because I want to watch it. I think oh I my God. recorded it. So you came up on Brownlee, you passed him, and immediately commercial. They went to commercials for like five minutes or something. <sighs> like it was a long time, felt like a long time. And then coming back from commercials, they put it on Taylor Nib, who was ahead by like 10 minutes. <laughs> no, like talking about her. I wouldn't say the coverage was any worse than it was. It was probably a smart a small margin better. The only thing that was notoriously terrible was like i don't think that i think they had standard four commercials that they had to they had to run like every seven and a half minutes or something like it was no, no matter what was happening the commercials were fucking happening and that was like the biggest crux they were like all right we've got jackson coming up and alistair brown take the wee up and we're going to commercial and we're like no like so i started <laughs> to reach through and murder outside plus it was yeah, and the the really unfortunate thing about that is that he actually ran with me for a little bit. Like he did try to run with me, and 
right after I passed him, like if you saw the reel that Eric Wynn posted, yeah. Um, right after what when that reel ended was an aid station. Like when I pointed at the end of the reel, I was pointing at the person who I wanted to get the Gatorade from. Yeah. And I grabbed one last Gatorade because I just wanted one little swig of sugar to make sure I freaking just felt good for the last 3K or 2K. It was probably 2K or less. And then as I was running through that aid station, I felt Alice like he kind of clipped my foot. He like Amen. hit the underside of my foot as I, on my stride recovery. So I knew he was there. I was like, okay, he's still on me. And then I just, just kept it a little bit extra hot for another minute or two. And then he was gone. Um, and he, and he went back real fast. He must yeah. I think he, it'd be interesting to hear what happened there, but he, whether he just totally blew up trying to hang or whether he got kind of gave up. I mean, why would you give up? I never, he would never give up. No way. Not a two-time gold medalist. He probably just took it to the absolute limit. Yeah. Um, I mean, when two guys, what, two guys passed him in the last 500 meters or something. Yeah. Um, Lion Rudy with the old hot shot. Did they get a really good footage of that finish? Yeah. You could like, they had, after you finish, they cut to Lionel and they had Lionel on screen and you could tell when he decided I can probably catch Rudy. He just started running like I've never seen anyone run so hard. And then the problem with that was all we saw was Lionel running. We didn't see like a back shot of like him getting towards Rudy. Like we had no idea what was going to happen until like they cleared and got into the frame of the shoot when the camera was right on them. Yeah. So that's when it really got spicy. So that, that last probably two or 300 meters was really narrow mm. and there's no way a moto could get in there. So they probably just didn't have a way to get a side shot at that point to see, well, they Rudy, but they could have guys, had a back angle shot. They had camera guys running behind Lionel and Rudy at like three minute K. Dude, that <laughs> was hilarious. That. I think that guy would have won the sprint if he didn't have to stop. <laughs> With the camera. But that's a tough sprint. Rudy posted about it and he said it was an 150 meter sprint. Like yeah, think they, about 150 meters all out. Like that's like 20 seconds all out. It's just brutal. He said he's never been more sore. I, I just was messaging him and he's like, this is brutal. <laughs> and uh, he, he, he was, he, I heard him say like he had no idea Lionel was coming. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, man, it was nuts, but yeah, Lionel was really complimentary and everyone was really cool after the race and um, crazy experience. Like Oceanside 70.3, that's like the most competitive 70.3 that we think of outside of a championship race. For North America, it's like dubbed that every year. Yeah, and it's, it's ridiculous. So and I honestly, I still like had a great race, but I'm not, you know, there's no there's no doubting that things went in my favor. I mean, that's kind of what has to happen to get a win, but you know, the swim being wetsuit and the, the bike being variable, like it was, and even things like Alistair pushing the pace, keeping our group moving hot to enough to hold Lionel off and then him not being close enough. Like all those details went in my favor this time around. And obviously it's not going to happen like that every time, but still, I know that I'm not at my best shape of this year yet. Like I just know from my training and my build and my timing of the season that I will have better fitness. Um, so it's well, pretty exciting. Hope. I can't wait to go against those guys again and just see what happens. 
Yeah. I mean, you do say like, I, you keep saying like, oh yeah, everything, you know, went in my favor. I got lucky. But at the end of the day, like a champion makes their own luck. Right. So yeah, those things went in your favor, but you have to put yourself in that situation for it to happen. So I wouldn't be overly humbled about that. Well, and I'm not being humble. I'm just being realistic. I mean, we are yeah, I knew, enough. but the thing is I knew how the race would play out and I planned for those situations. And I, I think, you know, the amount of mental preparation I did for this race, like just focusing on, okay, what do I need to do in this race? Like, where do I need to be focusing at any given point? Um, it really set me up well because it, it just played out exactly like I wanted it to play out. So I, you know, I, I made my own luck in, in a sense for sure. Um, but just, you know, to be devil's advocate on the other side, if a Sam long shows up and swims with Lionel and they both work together and who knows, right? Like things can play out a million different ways. Well, um, there'll be another opportunity at 70.3, um, North American champs in Chattanooga. Yeah. I can't wait for that. That'd be sick. the next throwdown. Um, Jackson, real quick, backpedaling. What did you do for nutrition on the run course? Um, were you taking in any, anything crazy or what was it? No, uh, just a couple gels and, um, just some Gatorade off the course. Uh, I grabbed, I grabbed, what did I grab? Cola. Yeah, usually Gatorade. I did have cola once or twice, but I was still grabbing water and splashing it on my head a little bit, even though okay. it was only like 60 degrees or whatever. Still hot. Um, yeah, not that hot, but just, it just felt really, really nice. Um, you know, you still, you still get pretty warm. Like I didn't feel like, Oh, I'm too hot. But every time I splashed water, I, I felt a little burst. Well, especially since it's damp. Um, yeah. The conditions were great by the way, like not a lot of crazy wind and overcast. So it made definitely a better, I guess, mental, physical, um, at a, or I guess connection to make you guys feel like you could run harder and push your bodies. Yeah. The conditions were great. Like for going fast. Um, really low wind and, and just not even the sun didn't really come out on the run. So that helped keep it cool as well. So, Hey, um, I don't know if the conditions were super, super fast for biking or not. Like obviously having that group working hard was fast, but, um, you know, obviously when it's a little cooler, it doesn't tend to be too, too fast. So maybe that balanced it out a bit. Um, I want to get both of your opinions real quick because with the women's race with how well Taylor Nib was biking, she rode herself into, which doesn't happen very often. Um, she rode herself into the tail end of some of the men's race. Um, and I always found that to be kind of complicated because the men don't just go away after their past. They tend to, you get, or yo-yo a bit. And I feel like it kind of compromises some of the ability for women to race mentally clear. Um, do you think if you're passed by lead female on the bike and you're a pro male, do you think you should be lapped out or like, like, Hey, you're getting passed. Now you were obligated to drop really far back to where you're of no obstacle. And if you get passed again, then, you know, whatever, keep doing the same thing. How do you feel about that? I think they can make it a little simpler than that. Like, um, just the men pro men need to do you know 20 meter draft rule off the women something like that um or even 30 whatever just make it way longer in that way because i mean i don't i don't like 
the lapping out like in this race they only had they were only three minutes behind yeah so you know taylor nibson's 23 minutes she's gonna catch she passed some of the pro men in the swim probably she did so there's that and then she's biking at 220 221 like that's not that that's not even a bad bike split for a pro man. Like that's still, you know, mid ish pack. Um, so you don't, we don't want to be lapping out so many people who are still trying to develop and, and, you know, get their experience. But I agree with you. I think they need to totally be out of the race. Like once you're passed by that lead woman, you shouldn't ever retake them if you, and yeah, I don't think you should be allowed to draft off them at the 12 meters. It should be 25 or 30 or something to keep them out of the race. Yeah. Cause at that point you're no longer competing for anything outside your own best effort for the day. And you know, you can do that in training all, all day long without impinging upon someone else's race. So anyways, that was just, yeah, I think I know Nick, we talked about this during the race, but um, I think, you know, from, a spectator's point of view and from a fairness point of view yes i think they should be taken off the course just like you see when guys get lapped out in draft legal racing um but there should be another layer of like in order to prevent that so probably five minutes will be fair and i know there's reasons that they were only three minutes back because they like to have a bigger gap between um the women and the age groups i know you pointed that out actually when we were discussing that uh, so that's why it was probably three minutes versus five minutes. But also if we're tiering these races, like, like we should, and like we have discussed, you know, with the PTO before, then those top women and that they'll be, they won't be as fast as like the top, top women. Right. Yeah. Um, and it'll be more along the same levels. You have the same level of pro men and the same level of pro women, you know, kind of keeping that gap a little better. So I think that's, kind of where the inherent issue lies is just the the big spread yeah okay well that's fair i mean i'm not you know putting my foot down and saying fuck those guys get them off the course but i just wanted to make it more fair for the women because i've heard it we've all heard it time and time again that it does even if they're not even if they let them go by like the women know they're there and it's an obstacle they don't have a clean course like the men do so yeah and it's no issue on the run like you get caught on the run yeah fine um but like jack said yeah taylor came out with i mean she caught some of the like she was like halfway up the men's field almost coming out of the water yeah she was crushing it it was yeah there's just like a a big development gap between you know that back half of the men's field and that front half of the women's field i think so okay done with that um so yeah jack guess you're gonna st anthony's chatty 70.3 uh canadian champs or whatever and then tromblant Hey, champs. What's that? Canadian PTO race. Yeah. You missed up the order a tad bit on that, but yeah, that's it. Okay. So it's Tromblant, then the PTO. Tromblant, then the Canadian one. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, yeah. But, uh, should be good. Uh, the next two are pretty quick turnaround and then I'm going to take a little bit more of a, a rest after Chattanooga, um, before Tromblant. So I can hopefully still race pretty well late in the year. So you got to defend your title in Tromblant. Yes, I do. It's you finally won, what, five years ago now. <laughs> yeah, twenty nineteen. So it's been a been a minute. Um, but yeah, should be sweet. We're uh, stoked for this year. We're uh, we're doing some some cool stuff with what we've got for opportunities in the sport. So I'm just so freaking glad that the sport has developed at this point. Like it couldn't be better timing for me to develop into 
coming up towards my peak in my career as the PTO was like, okay, cool. We have all this stuff available now. I know. Um, it's really good. It's pretty sweet. Did they come out with points for this race yet? I don't think so, unless they have in the last, like, half a day. I would love to see. Yeah, that's another interesting thing. How many points do you think it'll be? Well, okay, good speculation. So you broke um, Jan Friedman's previous record. So they probably used that AIT near that, right? Yeah. Um, so 100 and, 130 points? Yeah, it could be. I mean, the fastest AIT they've ever had on the course was 345, 20 or 30 or something. Um, so even if it's the same as that, it should be over 100, 101 yeah. or two or maybe, but um, we'll see. Um, like, it's hard to know because you have a really competitive field, which generally lifts, lifts kind of the points that are given away. Um, but then there were quite a few of us were close together at the front. So that sometimes means like they don't quite give it as high. So I don't know. We'll see, but either way, it should be at least enough to kick off my third result and give me a good, a good spot to be, you know, selected for Collins cup, which would be awesome. Yeah. It should put you probably in the top eight. Yeah. That'd be really cool. I mean, if I get, I did the calculation, if I get 101, I pass Joe Skipper and I get into seventh. So He's kind of my arch nemesis, so I feel like I really want to do that. Let's arch nemesis, see. you never even chose, but it's just that it's there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, even uh, what was it? Blumenfeld was mentioning Joe Skipper in their freaking track video they were doing. Yeah, I, was, I was like, wait, I was going to comment and say, wait, but where, when did you do the lactate testing during this workout? <laughs> Maybe that's what Lionel's bike took a bit of a sour you know maybe he's still developing within that program maybe i mean i don't know what happened he did he say he had a bad bike he i don't recall the exact verbiage i think it, i do remember him saying he just didn't feel like he had the legs hmm. yeah i i'd be interested to see as well it's a tough course to hold high average power on because it's variable the the super variable but also the last like three minutes or two minutes you're riding like at zero speed beside this like dismount like i lost like five watts in the last two minutes or something yeah um but yeah taking that out of the equation like my peak two hour i was like 302 watts and like 322 normalized that's mega i heard from a very reliable source that lionel averaged 320 320 yeah really yeah is that average oh you said average yeah holy shit so i would be surprised if he went that fast on 320 on his own well he was riding with that french guy arnaud guillou yeah did that guy take any leads or did lionel just lead i don't know i didn't get that information hmm. of course they didn't cover that at all during the broadcast yeah uh of course not but anyways Super stoked. Let's see what happens in the next race. Nick, are you going to, well, I guess you're kind of still struggling. Yeah, with Nick, I saw you were running. How's the Achilles? Um, so truth be told, it's not the Achilles um, seems to be fine. We thought it might have been a light of that, but it's like one of those light stabilizer muscles that kind of wraps around the outside, right of your kind of ankle. It's like a little perineal stabilizer thing. Um, that's just been the ligament itself has been pissed off. So today's the first day I ran for five, zero minutes on the lever. 
and it was great. No pain. Um, but I also got shockwave therapy today afterwards, just to make sure we're still breaking up any calcification and, and making sure stem cells are growing there. So I'm confident I'll be able to show up to St. Anthony's and run, um, and put together a good swim bike and then hopefully run well, um, off that. And then I'm, I'm pretty much going to be clear. I hope, um, this will be the last week of me probably pussyfooting around. Nice. There you go. So what you're saying is that St. Anthony's you're going to run a 29 minute 10 K 31 30. Okay. <laughs> I guess I would accept that. How about you, Garrick? You've been running outside for the first time in a while. Yeah. And our treadmill just broke yesterday. So I'll be running. You break that more. treadmill like every two months. <laughs> no, the- <laughs> is this a new one you broke? No, this one, it wasn't, I did not break the baseboard or the running board or whatever. I did not crack that in half this time. Uh, <laughs> not about three times, though, but it's always been under warranty. But our console, just like, I guess there's there was a software glitch in it, and there's no way for them to patch it or anything. So we need to buy a brand new console because it's out of warranty because we bought it secondhand like a year ago. Damn it. I was yeah. got to get Apple Care. Yeah. So you does that why you ran outside? Uh no. I ran outside because it was a gorgeous day. And you just got yeah. married. Fake married. Yeah. And then you were sore after it. Uh yeah, I was that was yeah. So that picture was from a couple weeks ago, which is my first run outside. But I did run outside again for the second time today. So we'll um, see what happens. In other news, uh our triathlete cars video is getting some good feedback, a lot of love. A lot of hilarity for Jackson's car and the rest of us. So, I mean, I just can't believe looking at it when during the edit, I was like, these cars are so fucked. Like, <laughs> so dirty. Garrick, you were, it's, you were fine. It's just hilarious because like the video went live, like the day after Jack won Oceanside. Yeah. And the first car is Jack. And he's like, I got this car for free from my grandpa. It's uh <laughs> It's a 1917 Grand <laughs> It's actually the first car ever made. Oh, <laughs> it's epic, man. I was just so happy that I was able to put that out finally. Um, and uh, other things happening. I think Leslie's going to race, Ocean, or, um, not Oceanside, um, St. Anthony's. Tamara's gearing up since she had COVID um, for 70.3 Chatty. Garrick, when are you going to confidently make a debut? It's still really far out. That's okay. No pressure. Just curious if you had your site set anything in like July or August. I do, um, but the race is not announced yet if it's a pro race. So I'm not going to say anything. Okay. Um, But late July, I'm hoping to do an Olympic. Okay. And then Lisa, I don't even know what Lisa's doing anymore. I never know what she's doing over there. She's She's in St. George right now. All the races that don't offer PTO points. She's doing Challenge Denmark, I think, in June. She's doing um the Herbalife one. Okay, the LA try. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, there's a couple people that I know doing that, and that's coming up. No, it's the week before Chattanooga. Okay. So it's like All the right. 15th. Okay, May. so we got some team stuff going on. Uh, hopefully, we can get Leslie and Tamara out there, and then Lisa will just. She's not injured anymore. She couldn't bike for two weeks um after miami she had that that sartorius issue i think oh elise is coaching now that's new news yeah um i still have to finalize the website and put that on rts but you'll see you'll see rts coaching here very soon if you can if you want to just you know 
jump in with us. Also, we'll have a, if you want to race in our kits or whatever, just DM us. We have a link. You can order um, Jack Roo official clothing that will look like Jackson's exact race kit. So you can just go fanboy. I got the new sleeved kit the night before the race at 8.30 p.m. The Sonic. The Sonic. And I was so close to racing in it, even though I'd never even tried it because it was so freaking nice, man. I'm so stoked to try it and then use it for St. Anthony's. It's like beauty. Um, other thing too, I spoke with the developers at Jack Roo and they're going to create us a basic ITU suit. So we don't have to wear speed suits when we race for speed suit races. That'd be cool. Um, so that's so, going to be a new addition. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm stoked to yeah. just with There's that stuff news, developing with us it's awesome yeah hey with that news in september we should do a training camp in st george and all do that it race there oh god that race is tough is it i know nothing about it oh if you saw the run course they they this is probably one of the hardest like itu cup races i've ever freaking seen in terms of like pure elevation it's like you're going up and down hill on like rollers the whole time like that are maybe 500 meters long each nice we should really do it. Do that in the middle of a training camp. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't care. We can do a training camp at St. George anytime. All of uh, Dibbins crews here right now. All of Salt Lake's here right now. It's freaking going off. Yeah, everybody's like, "Oh, I'm doing the Ironman there. I better train there for four weeks straight before the race." <laughs> I know, taking up all my road space. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, but- the camp in St. George was well. It wasn't St. George camp, but it was Beaver camp last year. It was pretty sick. So. Yeah, we'll be doing it again. I just got to get my world championship qual, hopefully at Tremblant. So let me Yes. Heck oh, yeah. so you're doing Tremblant too? That's sick. Yeah, so I, my schedule has changed a bit. Um, I was going to do a couple dumb things like I normally do, and I decided not to. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got invited to do some like extreme try in Canary Islands where you just basically you swim in the ocean and you bike up. 8,000 feet and then you run at 8,000 feet and it's like an X try. They were going to pay for all this cool stuff and make it worth my while. And then I was going to go to challenge Denmark the next weekend in June. And then I was going to go anyways, I just, I'm not going to do any of that. St. Anthony's chatty Watkins Glen Tremblant or Tremblant Watkins Glen. Yeah. There Those you go. Goals. And then we'll see from there. That's sweet, man. St. Oh. All those races are awesome, but. Chamblon, we got to freaking represent Canada since we have some Canadians on our team. Hopefully, we can get Tamara to there, go there and run a 105 and win that one. <laughs> I'm sure she will. Oh, and I got my lactate testing device in. Just so you know, I, I figured why not see where I am? Why not? And actually, I'll do it for my athletes. So I think we're, you know, we're missing a picture if we're not testing everything i'm not saying it's the only way to do it but it's it's tools you know we gotta use our tools yeah and if you're not careful i'll like take people who use that are tools that's for sure what's that just kidding no i'm I'm probably gonna get one too and just you know get some more knowledge going definitely not going to use it for all my training sessions but no um well i already told james to get ready to put some protocols together he's like well i gotta go down research and and doing this and that and i was like yep (laughs) well if he's gonna do it for all of us he better start researching it so 
Well, I told him it's very simple to get smart on all this stuff. Like literally go to lactate.com, just like Robbie Deckard said. And that's <laughs> like the best resource to this date outside of like reading a book. It's all so old, this data. It's like yeah. MS-DOS. Um, but anyways, Jackson, you're, uh, you inspired the team. You inspired a lot of people. I'm sure you're Canadian counterparts, you know, you're going to not, I would say this, not in a, in a bad way at all for Lionel, but I don't think you're in his shadow anymore. I think you two are sharing it. Um, and I think that that's the best way it could go. Yeah. I'm stoked. I love, you know, keeping improving and Island's going to keep getting better. So now let's see what happens. Everybody now versus Sam long, basically. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll come back and kind of get him again someday soon, but it's pretty, I was thinking today how like interesting and like non-uniform everyone's development is. Yeah. And like Lionel had this crazy good fast development at the beginning and he's kind of gone up and down and had great results and some bad results. And then someone like Sam just kind of like quickly got continuously better and better and better until he's kind of at the top. And Whereas for me, it's been like super slow and kind of gradual, which I have no problem with. And I don't think I could have done it better any other way. Um, But just, you know, people can't look at someone and think, oh, I got to do that exactly because everyone just responds so differently to everything that they do. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, Someone we didn't talk about real quick. What happened to Sam Appleton? Did you talk to him? Yeah, he, he just kind of didn't feel great on the run and he said either on the bike. So he just was a bit of an off day. I mean, wasn't a terrible race for him by any means. He still ran 114. Like it's not bad. It's just no. nowadays, if you're not running a 110, you don't really have a chance. Yep. So I'll, I'll be fine competing for fourth and fifth. I'm good with that for a little while. At, at Tron Law, though, probably not going to be super stacked, just a guess. So you might be able to get on the podium with like a 115 on that course. It's a pretty hard run course too. Good. Um, I'm, you know, we all peak at different times and I've taken a longer and slower and getting older approach, but I still think I can do big things. <laughs> well, you're definitely still getting better and you're like 58 or whatever. So <laughs> <laughs> I just keep eating these Mott's fruit snacks and they keep me young. all the fruits <laughs> and the vitamins. I just saw an article too, Jackson, that Cody posted, um, all this healthy food has been making me slower or something like that. And I'm like, well, Jackson's probably can have a good counter article to that. Like all this garbage chest has been really making me quick. (laughs) I don't eat garbage that much. I, you know, everything I, every sweet drink I drink at least has 10% juice. So, (laughs) (laughs) and the timing, you know, you always crush them right after sessions, right before sessions. You're not, Actually, I've seen you eat all that stuff right before bed, so I don't really know why. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, great episode. Garrick, any any final thoughts? Uh, Not about triathlon, no. I think we can leave it at that. Okay. (laughs) We've done good. Jackson, thanks again for being our guest and not a host today. My pleasure. And uh, next episode. Have me back on soon, guys. Yep. Next episode, I think we're going to be talking with a, a wearable hydration sensor that can tell actual real-time sweat rate. They approached us and they want to come on and we're going to do it. So that might be next. Might not. I don't know. Just rolling the dice. All right, boys. Okay. Jack, take us out.
Um, what do I do? You gotta say until next time. Oh, until next time. Peace. Ooh. I got ish to do Flying through the sky in my parachute Dancing on the couch like I'm Tommy Cruise On a one-man mission trying to see it through